Well, we're in the Gospel of Mark, and um, we've been here for a while. We'll be here for quite a while still. And uh, the Gospel of Mark is the first and oldest of all the written accounts about the historical Jesus. And so if you're looking at who Jesus is, the Gospel of Mark is a great place to start. But today we're talking about this idea of the power of Jesus, the power that he has in the midst of storms. And, and here's my thing about, about this question I have is, is have, you, have, have you actually been in a storm? When was the last time you were actually in a storm, a physical storm? Not like, a, you know, like an emotional uh, storm, but like an actual physical storm. This past week I went down to Vancouver, um, and my friend, he was like, hey, you know what, I was going to book a bus. Initially I was going to book a flight down to, to Abbotsford, and I was like, uh, and then I... I realized I'm going to book a bus ticket down there on the e-bus because Danica and Pierre love the e-bus so much. I was like, I'm going to book an e-bus, right? And then I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And my friend was like, well, actually, did you book a bus ticket? I will drive you down there, right? And so I'm like, oh, cool. Let's, let's ride down there. And so on Monday, we drove down to Abbotsford. Beautiful, gorgeous day, all the way from Kelowna to Merritt pristine, sunny. I remember my friend was like, he's like, wow, what an incredible, beautiful blue sky day, right? I'm like, yeah, this is incredible. Love this. <laughs> we get up to like the summit of the Coquihalla, right? And all of a sudden, it just starts to like start slowly snowing and then more snow and then more snow and then more snow. And then he's like, oh my goodness, right? It's like a blizzard up here. I was like, yeah, there's TV shows on this, right? Like, if my dad was on a TV show called Highway Through Hell based on the Coquihalla. Like that section is a very infamous road. But when you're in a storm, I started asking these very subtle questions. Right? I was like, so um, your snow tires, are they good? <laughs> right? Like I was like, I'm a passenger. I'm like, so uh, is this two-wheel or all-wheel drive? Right? And he's like, oh, yeah, no, don't worry. I got studded tires. I was like, okay, great. That makes me feel a little bit better, right? And then he's like, ah, this is all-wheel drive, not two-wheel drive. I was like, great. As he's passing cars down to the snowshed, as I'm a little bit, like, death-gripping, right? I'm like, please, Jesus, like, you know, let me get down there or, or take me home, whatever you want. But don't you think that so often when we go through moments of major, like, storm, struggle, that we actually ask certain questions. We ask questions about ourselves. We ask questions about who God is. Don't sometimes when we're in moments where we feel like it's going to destroy and kill us, we ask a question like, God, where are you? God, are you here in this moment? Maybe it's losing your job. It's maybe the fact that maybe your kids don't follow Jesus. Maybe some of us, it's a broken marriage. Struggle with finances. Right? Whether or not you are aware of it, that we all go through storms in our lives. That just live long enough to go through a struggle, to go through a storm. Live long enough to see a friend that you've loved die from cancer. Right? Like, struggles and storms are inevitable in our lives. It's how we respond to them. And that's what Jesus is talking about today. This passage in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. You can go there in your Bibles. And um, Jesus was just preaching through all these parables, explaining how to grow in the kingdom of God, but what the kingdom of God looks like. 
And then he kind of like puts it into motion, into practice. What does it look like to be a disciple? Here's what it says in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he told them, his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. They woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and the sea. Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who is this? Even the wind and seas obey him. You see, I think one of the big things I want us to realize is that Jesus has real-world power. When you look at this passage, there's a lot of like really kind of minute details that so often when we look at the Gospels, we look at the historical account of Jesus, it's so easy to look at this as like maybe it's like a, a fictional tale about power of Jesus, or maybe it goes back to the parables. But when we look at this, it talks about it happened in the evening. We're told that Jesus was teaching parables, and he got from one boat because he was teaching in this certain spot where, you know, it's way easier to teach on the, on the shore of the ocean, the Sea of Galilee, and actually speak out and, and teach the parables. But he got from that boat to another boat to go across, right? So they're given all these little details. It said that he actually slept on a cushion, You see, when you talk about this, that the Mark, John Mark is trying to tell us, he's a disciple of Peter, he's trying to tell us that Jesus has real world power. Real world power for us. Not just some metaphorical power. You see, it's very significant. One commentary I was reading this past week said this, that in the book, the Gospel of Mark, she would be prone to believe this was a legend considering all the details that happened except for the fact of the minute details in the account. When you're writing like a, a legend, you don't put in those little nuances like in the evening, he slept on a cushion. He got from one boat to another boat. You just don't put those things in there. Or why would you put those little details in? See, it doesn't really tell us anything about the story other than it doesn't move the story along. It just shows us that Jesus was a real person who physically lived and had real power that matters in our lives, in a physical, real world. You see, it's like when, when you think about a person in your life, you think about the minute things. Like when I think about rain, I think about the trips that we've been on to Los Angeles. Just the fact that rain loves to fly in an airplane. He loves to go on roller coaster rides. I'm being sarcastic here, but but I I think when I think about rain, I think about all the moments we've shared together that don't always move the story along. But Mark's trying to show us in the gospel is that Jesus has real world power for us. That in the storms of our lives, that it actually matters because there's these little minute things that shows us that Jesus was actually who he said he was. 
that these are eyewitness accounts that are first-hand accounts that wrote, someone wrote this down and remembered it because it was true. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, when we look at the Gospels, we look at a story like Jesus calming the storm, it's so easy for us to think about it as like a legendary tale. You know, maybe it's like a great work of J.K. Rowling or someone. I remember one day I was in Rome and we were walking. And we were walking down this one street and we got to this one spot and we came up to a museum because there's some museums everywhere in Rome. We came out and there's this one little prison in Rome. And it's like this like small little prison off to the side. It's not a big flashy thing. And I remember going up to the sign and saying, I think I know this prison. This is Mamertine prison. This is where Paul and Peter were imprisoned. Like these are the streets that they would have walked. It actually felt different to know that. These are real people in a real world. If you know, when Bill's talking about going to Israel, like there is something remarkable to know to walk where Jesus walked, to hear the Bible where he preached. Right? Bill was sharing a story this past week with me about the fact that when he was on the, the Temple Mount where Jesus preached some of his parables, it's a pretty profound thing to know that that's where like, Jesus actually really lived and he really died and he really rose again. You see, I think a lot of people, when you look at the, the historical accounts of the gospel in Mark, it's so easy to, to think it's just a legend. But either Jesus was raised from the dead in real time, in real space, in real history, or he wasn't. And I think that's what Mark is trying to show us here. That what do you do with the real person of Jesus? And if you follow the real Jesus, there's some implications for the power of Jesus in your life. There's something remarkable that might happen in your life when you follow Jesus. In verse 39, it says here, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the seas, peace be still. He said, silence be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. You see, one of the questions that the disciples ask, which is so profound, is who is this? Who is this? Who is this person who has so much power that there's more power than any storm? You see, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, I've never been there. I'd love to go to Israel one day. The Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level and 30 miles north is Mount Hermon. Hermon. It's 9,200 feet high, which means that actually there's a clashing of cold air from the mountains and the warm air coming up from the Sea of Galilee. And as a result, there's tons of storms and squalls and thunder and lightning. And of course, any fisherman which Jesus had, he had fishermen with him, they would have actually were, would have been professional fishermen. They would have actually been through lots and lots of storms on the Sea of Galilee. But here's where they, they, they don't come down to Jesus and say, Master, we might die. Do they? 
right? Like these are professional fishermen. These are people who are seasoned veterans on the sea. They'll come down and say, Jesus, hello, hello. We might die. They come down, they say, Jesus, we're going to die. Where are you? Right? Jesus doesn't get up. He doesn't roll up his sleeves and stand back. He doesn't get a, you know, a wand or an incantation and say, in the name of. He just gets up. He awakes. And what does he say? He says, silence, be still. He, that's what he says. You see, what Jesus says to a storm, to a hurricane, is what a parent says to a child who's misbehaving, right? If you're a parent and you're like, hey, kid, I love you. Can you just be silent and sit still for just a minute, right? Jesus wakes up, and that's what he says. He says to the storm, almost like to a child, be silent, be still, be quiet, stay quiet. What happens? The winds suddenly die down, the oceans and the waves suddenly become calm. And here's Jesus showing us in the midst of like a hurricane, the winds roaring, the waves pounding to be quiet and stay quiet. And suddenly everything stopped, everything changed. That there's an incomparable power that Jesus has. You see, in ancient cultures, they believed that there's one consensus point, one point amongst all cultures, and that the sea was uncontrollable by anyone but God. The sea was an ultimate symbol in ancient culture and legends of uncontrollable destruction. And Jesus shows up, and he's showing the disciples that there's someone more powerful than any storm, physical or emotional, that there's someone who's way more powerful than anything you've ever gone through, and it's Jesus. One thing I love about, about this account is it shows the emotional lives of the disciples. Right? Like before Jesus calmed the storm, they're scared, they're terrified, aren't they? They're terrified of the storm. But when Jesus wakes up and calms that storm like a child, they become more scared of him. They become more terrified of Jesus. <laughs> they're not scared of the, of the, the storm out there. They're scared of the power that Jesus has. Like, who is this person who can calm the seas, who can calm the storm? Who is that? It shows their emotional life, that they were tossed back and forth, you see, the picture of Jesus being awakened by these men, the picture of Jesus asleep in the storm, it shows the boat was nearly swamped. It said the boat was literally full because the water was coming into the boat, that the disciples, the sailors were trying to bail it out and they were not being able to bail it out fast enough that they would have drowned if they didn't wake up Jesus. They actually believed emotionally, physically, they were going to die. In verse 37, it says Jesus was asleep. They wake him up and they say, don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus, that we're dying? 
that any single person who has ever tried to live a life of faith in this world has felt like that at some point, haven't you? Haven't you felt like that at some point in your life? Like, Jesus, where are you? It's not supposed to be like this. I thought I'd be healthier than this. I thought I'd have more money than this. Where are you? Don't you care? I feel like I'm dying. Those are the moments that we face. Those are the storms that we face. Those are the questions that we ask. You see, you feel like you're sinking. That everything's going wrong, that God's asleep. He just doesn't seem to be around. He doesn't seem to be aware of your storm. You see, so often what the disciples, what the disciples actually did was they woke him up and they basically said to him, is that you have gone to sleep on us in our hour of greatest need. Like, you've, you're sleeping on us, Jesus. Like, how could you let us go through this? If you loved us, where are you? Don't we ask that same thing? Jesus, if you loved us, you would never let this happen in my life. If you loved us, you'd never, ever let this thing happen to me when I was a child. You'd never let that happen to me last year or five years ago. So often we say, if you loved us, you would not be letting us go through this, this moment that feels like death, destruction. But what did Jesus do? <laughs> so Jesus doesn't, call, doesn't create the storm, but he calms the storm. When do you realize that? That if you live in this world, he's not, Jesus isn't creating the storms in your life. That so often we just create these storms. But he calms the storms. He calms the storm and he turns around. What does he say? He doesn't say, I can understand how you guys felt, disciples. I didn't, he doesn't say, Peter, I understand how you felt. He doesn't say, I understand why you were afraid. He says, why don't you have any faith? Because it shows us, I think, so often what we put our hope in, doesn't it? What I put my hope in as a Christian, as a follower. As, I think it's a great thing to do therapy once in a while. And um, this past year, I went through a lot of therapy, a lot of counseling. And one of my counselors said to me this amazing thing, and I was sitting there, and I said, hey, I don't know how people can go through these moments in life, like hardship moments, and not know Jesus. And they said, well, they just medicate with other things. I said, wow, that's how you cope. That's how you process. That's how you get through a storm is just to forget about it. Pretend like it's not there. Medicate it. I was like, because for me, I want someone in my life, in the midst of a storm in my life, to come in and say, peace. To calm it. Even though emotionally and physically, I feel like it's like tearing me up. It's like in that car with my friend on the Coquihalla. Like I am stressed out, holding on for dear life as he's passing people down on the snowshed going, oh my goodness, like I think we're going to die, right? I'm like praying, like God, please just make it quick. <laughs> but that's what we do in our lives. That we emotionally deal with our storms. Maybe we medicate them. And Jesus wants to come into our storm and he wants to calm the things. He wants to calm the storm of our life. See, Jesus is saying here is, 
God's saying, why are you afraid? He's saying, why don't you have any faith? What he's saying here is, maybe you should have known better that Jesus does allow people to go through storms, that he loves you in the midst of the storm, that you have no need to panic because you know a Savior named Jesus. But I think we look at the disciples, they're terrified because Jesus is unmanageable as a storm itself. If you've been in a storm in the ocean, it's terrifying. But Jesus is unmanageable as a storm is unmanageable if you've ever been through one. You see, when you look at a storm, the storm that you're in your life, so often I think there's two responses we have so often to hardship. Don't we look at it and say, Jesus, don't you know that we're dying and you've fallen asleep in our greatest need? You've been asleep all my life. Could you wake up? Could you help me? Could you fix this? Could you change the circumstance? Could you do all these things, Jesus? We forget the point that Jesus is right there in the midst of our storm showing us love and compassion and care. You see, I think these are responses so often, and it shows really so often how we want to minimize the storms. That maybe the storms of, of my life, of our lives, actually are the greatest moments where we need to learn deeply how powerful Jesus is. That we don't have to rely on money or family or a house, that we can rely on the infinite power of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is really trying to tell us that his power is infinite. His power is unmanageable. But it's completely at our service to calm the storms if we really anchor our lives onto him. You know, I think there's an interesting point in this passage, which I think really Mark knew about. When you look at this, the, the account here, that it almost contrasts this account to Jonah's account. If you look back in the prophet Jonah, and it's really about two storms. You look at it and you contrast. See, first, both Jesus and Jonah were out in a boat. You know, secondly, both Jesus and Jonah's boat are overtaken by a storm. The description of the storm is almost identical. Thirdly, both Jesus and Jonah are asleep in the storm. If you keep on going, fourthly, the sailors come to the sleeper and they say, we're going to die, we're perishing. They even use the same word for perishing. See, they're on a boat, they're in a storm, they're asleep in a boat, and the sailors come and say, don't let us perish. Do something. And then fifthly, there's, in both cases, there's a miraculous intervention by God and the sea is calmed. And in the last case here, both stories, the sailors were more terrified than they were before when the storm was calmed. We have almost identical stories here. But there's one difference I want to talk about as we kind of wrap this sucker up. The one difference... We look at the difference between like, the story of Jesus in the storm and Jonah in the storm is that Jonah 
in the midst of the storm, says the sailors, you know, there's one thing to do. If I perish, you survive. If I die, you will live. So they throw him in. You say, yeah, that's, that's different. That didn't happen in Jesus' account. It's one difference between the two stories. But I think Mark's trying to get the fact, get across the fact. The stories aren't actually different at all. When you look at another account in Matthew 12, Jesus says, I am the true Jonah. A greater Jonah is here. He's referring to himself. You see, what does he mean by that? He means that he calmed the storm and the wind and the waves and saved his disciples. But Jesus one day is going to calm all the storms. He's going to restore all the brokenness and the destruction and he's going to kill death and the storms are all going to be gone. See, what Jesus is trying to say here is, as I bring the band back up, is that whatever you're going through, whatever storm you're facing, whatever hardship you're going through, that Jesus is there. He hasn't caused it, but he is in the midst of the storm. And he wants you to know one day that all storms, all destruction, all brokenness will be washed away. That when you're in the midst of a real storm, it feels like it's going to crush you and it's going to kill you and you'll never get out of it. But Jesus wants to calm those storms. He wants to tell you that he loves you. He's for you. He's always known you. That's a promise, I think, for us to cling on to today that the gospel isn't something that, that we achieve, but we receive. He says all the time. That someday Jesus is going to calm all the storms. That's the hope for our health, for our relationships, that all the moments that we're going through, all the brokenness that we're going through, all the problems and pain, that Jesus is one day to come and restore and renew all things. But in this theater, if you're going through hard things, that may just saying today when we close the service out that God calm the storm in my life. That maybe on the outside it looks all good, it looks totally perfect, but deep down it's like a duck on water just moving its feet. That that is my life. That there is turmoil. That there is a storm. There is pain. Jesus, would you come and calm that? Would you speak to it like you speak to a child? Be still. Be quiet. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know what we're going through in this theater. I don't know where people are coming from, but Lord, I pray that we would trust you. That we have faith in you, Jesus. Or would you calm the storms of our lives? These moments that we cling to. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Convict us. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us, you pursue us, and you're for us. Would we confess our sin and brokenness to you today? Confess our storms, the turmoil, the pain. Lead us and guide us.
Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.